Yeah, I think making people feel less alone has never been more important. I am unwilling to give up that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out. Knocked out. Knocked so your out. only choice should be go focus on what you can control. 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 Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders. We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden, and we're here at the Kara Golden Show, and I'm super excited for my next guest, Zibby Owens. I was on her podcast when I launched my book, and I am so excited that she agreed to come on mine as well. Uh, Her podcast, just a reminder to everybody, uh, she is the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, uh, and there's a there's a few pointers in in there along the way that she uh, not necessarily always true because she actually talked quite a bit about my book and there were a lot of people who actually did buy books from from her podcast which was super super fun but Zibby is also an author and we'll talk about her new book that she just came out with and. Uh, what else? She recently wrote in the Washington Post, which she was so kind to include my book, by the way, in that write-up. And uh, she is just this awesome, awesome, awesome guest that I'm really excited to have her here. Zibby, thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Kara. Super excited. So let's talk about first the podcast. How did you decide to start your own podcast? I didn't even mean to start a podcast. I had been writing all these parenting essays. And one night my husband said, you know, you should really turn all these essays into a book. And I said, "Ugh, moms don't have time to read books. And then I was like, oh, that's so funny. I'll just make that the title of my book. So I approached a few publishers or people in the industry who said, well, I don't think people are going to find that so funny. So I had this name in the back of my head. And then at the same time, a girlfriend who's a best-selling middle grade novel, we have kids at the same school, said, you know, you should really start a podcast. And I was like, what's a podcast? I didn't even know how to listen to podcasts. I couldn't find the button on my phone. Um, Yeah. And then I finally Googled like how to record a podcast, easiest app ever or something like that. And I just recorded it in my room. I was like, you know what? I'll just try to do it. I'm not going to like tell anybody and I'll call it Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And at first I was going to read little excerpts from books or articles or things that I found interesting, but then I found out that it was illegal. So I said, well, <laughs> I'll try to just interview authors. And I only knew like two or three authors. And I thought, well, I'll just start with them and maybe they'll introduce me to people and the rest is history. So now I've interviewed over 600 people in three years. So That is amazing. And not knowing what you were doing. I, I call yeah. myself an accidental entrepreneur and an accidental author as well. And uh, it sounds like you were just like that too. You just went and tried and started. And uh, as I always say, lived undaunted and uh, and jumped out there and, and just went ahead and tried. I love it. I love, love, love it. So over the last year, you were uh, busy, busy, busy with your new book that just came out called Moms Don't Have Time 2. And it's a quarantine anthology. Talk to me a little bit about that. How did you decide to write this book? And, and tell me a little bit more about it. 
Well, this this also goes to the accidental nature of everything I've been doing, but I wanted to start a website. So I wanted it to be like the goop of moms and I would have essays on all these different categories of things that moms didn't have time to do. So I was going to design this whole big splashy website before the pandemic even happened. And to do that, I had reached out to a number, well, basically all the authors who had been on my show in this like blanket email. And I was like, I'm going to start this thing. I'm, I'm, I need essays from all of anybody who wants to be involved. And a bunch of people wrote back and were like, anything you're doing, I'm in. And I was like, great. So um, then the pandemic hit. And uh, meanwhile, I had been working with two editors to help me, uh, Claire Gibson and Alyssa Altman, who had been on my podcast. So they were going to help me with the essays. And then the pandemic hit and the site had not been built. And we had a few of the essays ready. And I begged my girlfriend who I had worked at in my first job after college, um, and I was like, I know you know how to design stuff. Could you just like design part of my own website so I can put these essays up? So she did it, even though her son was work at home, remote schooling and everything. And we just started throwing the essays up once a week. And I decided to call it We Found Time because at the time we were all in quarantine. I felt like all of us just suddenly had all this time on our hands. So we called it We Found Time. And every week I would release about five essays. And I did that for about 10 weeks. And then I thought, well, maybe we don't have that much time. It was the summer. People were starting to get out and about a little more. I thought maybe this was the end. I wish it had been, but it wasn't. And I decided to stop that. I was also doing all these other things that I had started during the pandemic. Like I started a virtual book club and I was doing a live Instagram live show every day. And I just had, and my podcast and my kids were home. So it was just, it was time for that to stop. (laughs) I stopped that. And then in September, I was like, you know what? I did so many of those essays. I wonder how many we ended up releasing. So I went back and... How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning, or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn, quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are 5 to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? 
Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is The Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, it's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, The Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is Super well done, I think. It makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of the Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for the Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. Counted. And then I was like, wait a minute. And I took them all and like copied and pasted and put it in one big Word document. And I was like, oh, this is a book. (laughs) Like this could be a book. It's long enough. So um, I spoke to one traditional publisher who said, well, it'll take over a year by the time it comes out, blah, blah, blah. And I said, forget it. I have the perfect publisher in mind. And there's a publisher named Skyhorse and they're known for turning things around like immediately. So I called them, I handed them the essays. I was like, I have contracts with all the authors. It's ready to go, but I want it out like within three months. And I want to like have control over every single thing. And they said, okay, let's do it. So that's what happened. That's And then it came out in February. That is so great. So these were all essays that were, that were essentially done during the pandemic. Yes. A few of them predated the pandemic. 
but many were written during the pandemic. And they weren't about that, but like any personal essay written in a certain time, it reflects the time and what was going on. So, yes. And what do you think was kind of the key thing going on in people's heads during this time? I mean, did you notice a huge difference between March and September? I mean, for example, I mean, were people, where were people's heads when, you know, just in these essays overall? Um, some people chose not to address what was going on and instead just were, took the time to sort of reflect on life in general. I think at the beginning, everybody was in shock, right? So I don't think they processed all of it necessarily as much as the essays that came later. Like, oh, wow, we've been here for three months. And what are the effects of this versus like, I'm in a state of panic. And also I had the essays divided into five categories. So they were all writing about certain things. And it was moms don't have time to read, work out, eat, breathe, and have sex. So there are essays, for example, like how to have sex with a germaphobe, which written by Claire Gibson, which was like, how do I deal with the fact that my husband used to be worried and now we're in a pandemic and there's basically Lysol like in the bedsheets of this. And <laughs> um, and then it also, you know, how do you keep going out on these date day, people who went out for date nights or date day, but they were home, now what? So there were some reflections on, okay, well, like, what does this actually mean? And then others said, just talked about what what things had been triggered in them. People who had eating disorders or eating issues before, were they coming back up? People who um, loved to run, were they running more or less? So I think it just was like a time where everybody took stock. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it changed significantly. I, I feel like health in, in particular. I mean, obviously it's been a focus of, of mine for many, many years with my brand Hint, but I feel like even at the beginning of the pandemic, it was like, okay, where are the Cheetos? Um, people, Many people were not, you know, wearing pants, I guess. More men, I think, weren't wearing pants on the podcast. Maybe that's not really health uh, related, but there were significant changes. People were almost joking about it. And then suddenly, you know, a month into it, people were taking it a lot more seriously and figuring out also the technology and because they didn't want the frustration anymore around, you know, trying to connect or if their kids were homeschooling, did they have to get, you know, additional, um, you know, wireless connection in some, in some way as well. Did you feel like there was a big difference between people who were trying to work and other people who were, because your book is a combination of of both. Well, they were all written by authors. So writing is something you you can never totally be off duty. You're either doing it right then or you're not, or or you're thinking about it. Um, You know, back to your, your thing about health, by the way, I joined the bazillion people eating terribly and like sort of mainlining pasta as if I would never see it again. And after doing that for so long, I ended up starting in September and they called moms don't have time to lose weight. So now I have another podcast about that and a little Instagram community because I had gained weight and I was like, oh my gosh, other people must have been in the same boat. So uh, yeah, I'm all about like trying to leverage a group of people to do things that'll actually help me like lose weight and read books. <laughs> so I, love I have it. to like think about what I need to do next and then I can start a podcast about it. But you're creating, I mean, that just speaks to you're creating these spaces to bring people together for these different topics that are coming up. I absolutely love that, especially right now. How have you noticed these virtual meetings just changing people's mindsets and 
positively impacting their overall well-being. Yeah, I think making people feel less alone has never been more important because we actually have been alone. So many people completely, but even all of us, obviously, just isolated from each other. And I think that whereas people could have fooled themselves into believing that they were getting their needs met from the community that they were Mm -hmm. actually in physically, it turns out some of those relationships weren't necessarily as fulfilling. And this time has been a way to connect with people who might not live where you live, but they're your people. And all of a sudden you can find them, even if they're in Nigeria. I mean, I've really, I've made connections with these amazing women in Nigeria. Who knew? I never would have been able to connect because our paths in life wouldn't have crossed. So I do think there's really something to creating communities and connecting people oh, oh, you know, <laughs> out of the space and time continuum, if you will, that has a huge lasting impact and gives people this huge boost of productivity and goodwill and good feeling and energy when being alone kind of depletes you of all those things. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I've i just been really, really surprised. That's the the plus side of this pandemic, too. I feel like there's there are people that I've met just through Zoom along the way that I hope I get to meet in person at some point because it's really, really opened up just the connections, right, overall. And some of those people I've even met through just my podcast and people reaching out to me. And it's uh, it's real. It's been really, really eye-opening to me, too. You start a virtual book club in 2020 as well. So what since people can't meet up in person, obviously, they're looking for things to do and make different connections. What was kind of the, the what were some of the interesting things about starting that that you found? Well, prior to the pandemic, I used to host an author salon in my apartment here in New York City. And every two to three weeks, I would have one or two authors and I would lead a conversation with them and we would have coffee and maybe some treats or whatever. And I would just invite everybody I knew to come over. And usually I'd get about 40 people. And for an hour, hour and a half on a Tuesday morning or Thursday lunchtime or something, we could all just take a little pause from our lives and listen to the authors and get that little jolt of rejuvenation. So obviously those had to stop. And I was trying to figure out how to keep that going. And in fact, it was somebody who used to come to one of those who said, you should do an online book club because then maybe we could meet online. Turned out that the people who joined my book club, many of them I had never met and now have become good friends of mine (laughs) because we've gone through so much unexpectedly together. In the pandemic, it was every Tuesday and now it's every other week. And I have my regulars, but every time there are people who pop in and we talk about the book for 30 minutes and then the author joins us for 30 minutes live and we get to do a QA and a session. So it's really neat. We've met amazing, amazing authors and it's been an unexpected full of connection. I had COVID as we were talking about last week until, I mean, it's just ending. And some of the people like this woman, Megan from my book group, she like sent me all this soup and I mean, they've become real friends to some of them, the quality of like my actual real longtime friends. So it's really nice. I absolutely love it. So which story from the book is one of your favorites? That's like asking who your favorite kid is though, right? I mean- I know. I I mean, I would never, having four children as well. I mean, you and I are in the four children club. People are always like, oh, who's your favorite? And it's always like, are you serious? Or like, what's your favorite hint flavor? And I'm like, no, you know, it's it's always (laughs) crazy. But what is one of your favorite stories from the book? 
Um, there's an essay in the beginning by Chris Bajillion. He wrote The Flight Attendant, which is a show on I think Netflix right now, yeah, ABC. Yeah. And he wrote Midwives, which I read like forever ago and loved. And he wrote about how his parents had saved all these things that he had written as a child and how he had read and written so much in when he was growing up and how the things that your family saves about you speak so much and it, spoke to what he was like as a young book lover and the power of books in his life. And I know he's just such a good writer. I mean, you, he could write about like, you know, your coffee mug is on your bookshelf and it would be like the most entertaining essay. So that was, I don't know, that was one of my favorites. And I liked that it was written by a man because I don't just have women and the stories are not really just for moms. It's really just about life, but I'm a mom of four. And so that's sort of the lens through which I was seeing the world. And he had really great stuff to say. So that was one of my favorites. I love it. So getting back to your book, what made you decide to donate the proceeds to charity? You're donating all the proceeds to Mount Sinai for COVID vaccine research. So that's amazing. And what? how did you decide to do that? Over the summer, this is after I stopped We Found Time, just to take you back in the chronology. And before I pitched the book, my husband's mother, my mother-in-law, my husband's mother and grandmother both passed away from COVID. And Susan, his mom, was only 63 in perfect health, uh, newly divorced, new boyfriend, like ready to take on the world, gorgeous woman. And she should not have died. And instead, we had to manage her care from far, far away. And she went through six weeks of truly horrific stuff that I will not soon forget even what we saw on FaceTime. And oh, it was just awful. I'm sorry. And then Kyle, thank you. My husband and his sister, Stephanie, sort of became like, it was just me and the two of them for a while because we had all gone down to Duke at the last minute. They let them say goodbye. And I had to get them back to New York. And we then we had to quarantine because we had been out of state. Sure. So I couldn't see my kids. They couldn't see their family. And we were all grieving together. And so I became the person doing all the stuff that needs to get done when somebody passes away, in addition to trying to get them to like you know eat and everything. Um, anyway, I decided I had to do something to try to help other people not have to experience this level of trauma and grief that is in our house every day. I mean, Kyle and his sister... Um, their mother's presence is felt all absence rather is felt all the time, especially because we inherited her dog. So every time, you know, we're taking care of Naya. So we took one of her dogs and his sister took the other dog. And, um, anyway, I wanted to see what I could do to make a difference. So I started this foundation at Mount Sinai named after her, the Susan Felice Owens program for COVID-19 vaccine research. And they're doing really well. I am donating the proceeds of the book and I have like a website, which you can get to through zibbyowens.com where it links to the actual charity. And they have moved on to uh, human trials now with this one dose vaccine that's really low cost and they're targeting sort of third world nations as the place that needs this the most. It's administered through the nose and it can be stored at wow. much higher much higher temperatures. So they're doing really well. So I'm just like holding my breath that the little that I'm doing to help this effort will push them over the line. That's amazing. Well, thank you for doing that because I think the more we learn about this disease too. I think that the vaccine research, I mean, just because we've got some vaccines out there and I was just saw a press release on Bloomberg this weekend that talked about a trial on, uh, I believe it was the Pfizer drug on in Israel. 
and that it's 90% effective, and which is pretty darn good, right? It's great. It's promising. So hopefully, you know, we can continue to come out with different vaccines that just to get it made faster and just lots of different companies. So I really appreciate you focusing on that too and supporting that. So it's amazing. So the new book, where can people find it? Anywhere books are sold. Yeah. Okay. Um, anywhere, bookshop.org, Amazon, your local independent bookstore. Go just anywhere. Go, anywhere. go get it. It's on, on <laughs> it. Moms right don't on. have time to. A quarantine anthology. Absolutely love it. And the podcast as well. Yes, the podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, and also Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, which is only once a week, and Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books is five days a week, and you can find them wherever you find podcasts. How are you finding time to do all of these podcasts? I mean, are you just on constantly? It's just- Uh, I I got so behind now because I've been sick, Um, and I also started a magazine, um, like an online magazine for Medium called Moms Don't Have Time to Write, where I have- people who aren't just authors, because I only have published authors on my podcast, but I wanted a way for moms who are great writers or essayists who aren't authors to have a place. So um, yeah, I'm editor in chief of that as well. Yes. I don't know. I don't know how I do it, but for the last like two weeks when I've been sick, I haven't been able to do anything. And I was starting to wonder how I did it myself. (laughs) I was like, um, I don't know how I was doing that before, but I can barely remember like how to get to my mail icon on this computer right now. How am I going to pick this back up? So I'm slowly, slowly getting back into it, but well, you have to take your time and make (laughs) sure that you're, uh, you know, really taking care of yourself too, because you just don't want to bounce back and, and, uh, just get sicker. Right. I mean, and you look that we're not doing video today on this, but I get to see Zibby's pretty face and she looks terrific and she looks (laughs) like she's on the mend, which is amazing, amazing. So super great. And uh, I know you do stuff for the Washington Post. Where else are you published and because I know you do, you do a, a few different roundups where you're I do, writing. I do. Yeah. Um, I do write for the Washington Post every couple months. The I write the book list every month for Good Morning America online, which is really fun. And um, from time to time, I write for parents. I was doing some book stuff for Real Simple. Where else do I write? What's up, moms? I love it. All over. And now I write a weekly column at Moms Don't Have Time to Write. <laughs> Which you should write for if you're interested. That would be awesome. I know. I know. Well, you and I have to connect on all of these because I think that would be that would be a lot of fun. So I here here I am, not really clear exactly how I have time to do much these days either. So but you always find time to do things that you love and that you're passionate about. And I think that just listening to you too, Zibby, I feel like there's it is very, very clear that even six months ago, you didn't know that you were going to do all the things that you've done, but you're also just open, right? To kind of seeing what is the next step and what is the next step. And that's what I tell people that if you actually think that you have to know the plan and that will prevent you from starting, then you're not going to be able to get started most of the time. Because when you talk to people like you right? That you had no idea. And the world changes and you have to just keep your eyes open and network and do all the things that I know you're really aware of. And I think that those are so important for people to recognize. And people are always like, oh gosh, I have no idea how to write a book. I have no idea how to start a podcast. I'm like, if you can actually go on Google 
or YouTube. I mean, you can figure out a lot of stuff on how yeah. to get started, right? And yes. that's, I built my whole business on, on Google and YouTube answers, basically. Um, yeah. I did not have a plan at all. I'm like embarrassed. I did actually go to business school and everything. I could have perhaps sat down and like made a financial model and like tried to plan it, but I didn't. And I just keep trying things. And a lot of them, a lot of these things are low cost. I mean, starting a podcast is not a big deal. It's not like I'm buying a factory and starting to manufacture cars. You know, there's almost no cost associated with it. So, and I've tried things that haven't worked out. I mean, I tried to do a kid's podcast. And then after about four episodes, I was like, I don't want to do a, I don't want to do a kid's podcast. I should just do the one podcast. And I tried to do a book subscription service. And I was like, nope, this is not working either. So somebody else could do it. So then I end up partnering with a book subscription service whenever I want to do a book box. Anyway, all to say, it's not like everything I do is perfect, but I just like to keep trying and then I quickly test. And if it's not working, I, I pull the plug. So that's sort of how I'm doing it by the seat of my pants. But um, I just keep identifying opportunities where, where I can help people like, oh, I can do this and I can do that. And I recently was about to launch this whole other major thing. And then I was like, wait a minute, that alone is a full-time job. I can't squeeze any more in. So I'm going to just take some time to do the things I'm doing better before adding another thing. That's my, I hope, but you never know. <laughs> but you never know, right? And that's what know. I tell people all the time. I mean, sometimes when I end up delaying things a bit, it's because I don't actually have it totally thought out. Right. And, and again, it's not that I'm looking to dot all the I's and cross all the T's, but I just am still trying to figure out how do I get one or two points to actually get it started. Mm -hmm. Right. I have to think about, okay, if I went and did this and this, then I would figure out whether or not it was viable to move forward. And sometimes I think that those delays are kind of intentional because I think about it very different than I did maybe three weeks ago. So, it, I don't know. The more people I talk to about this, I, I, I'm convinced and I always share with people that it's people don't really most of the time have it all figured out. Right. And they're they're going along the way and figuring out what they're really most interested in working on every single day and hearing your story. That's what I hear as well. And I love it. It's very inspiring. Well, I also think being such a tiny operation I mean, it's me and occasionally like plus or minus, I don't know, three to five people at, at any given time. I have the ability to be completely nimble. Like I can mm -hmm. change course. And I think this might drive some people crazy, but um, I let everyone know, like I change my mind all the time because I keep seeing a new direction. And then I want to go, not like to say I don't commit to things, but if I could do it better, then I'm going to go do it better that way than stay on the same course and continue doing it that way, which might lead to some whiplash. But I don't know. That's just the way I've been running things for no, better or I, worse. <laughs> I absolutely love it. So it's so great. Well, thank you so much, Zibby Owens. And everybody go buy her book and go listen to her amazing podcast. And thank you so much for giving us your time this morning. I hope you continue to be on the mend and uh, get lots and lots of rest and chicken soup or whatever the soup is of choice. And thank you so much, Zibby. Thank you so much for having me. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. 
This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.